0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Grumpy Surfer podcast. I am the Grumpy Surfer and your host, Ads Lyson. As always, before we start the podcast this week, I've got a couple of discounts. So to get a discount on any of the Ombi surf programs, so Ombi are a surfing program that teach beginners and intermediates to improve their surfing to link the turns together to relax a lot more to get more spray when you're surfing and look like the pros go to ombe.co forward slash ref forward slash grumpy surfer to get 10% off any of the programs so go and check them out also last podcast was with steve Gwenin. so if you want 10% off his surf life club program which is designed to help you surf more and work less. Use the code TGSPSLC to get 10% off his programs as well. So, which leads me on to the podcast this week. This week's podcast is with the owner of Fightworks Martial Arts Academy here in the UK. He's a flat belt in Jiu-Jitsu. He's run his own academy now for 13 years and has trained in many, many different martial arts and has got a breadth of knowledge throughout the martial art community. So, please enjoy my conversation with an amazing bloke, Darren Yeoman. Darren Yeoman, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me, I just appreciate it.
0: Three questions before we start. How are you? Where are we? And are you training today?
1: I'm very well, thank you, mate. Yeah, doing doing great at the moment. All things considered, over the last few years, um, we're currently in our new Fightworks Academy location in Torquay. And um, no, I'm not training today. I've just got over a bit of a back injury, so uh, I've got to take I've got to force myself to stay off the mats for a few more days. Yet,
0: it's one of those things when, as you get a little bit older and you're still training and stuff, is having to deal with all those. Uh, all those injury issues
1: yeah definitely I I don't think there's ever a time these days when I get on the mat and I'm not carrying some kind of injury or tweak You just kind of just learn to live with it I think
0: how have you found opening this uh the new academy a little bit closer into Torquay do you know what it was we needed to move
1: from our old academy because we, we outgrew it essentially um and the fact that we were able to renovate the place over the, the sort of the pandemic time when everything else was shut down was actually it's quite convenient for us. Um, and it's been a huge success. Like since everything's opened up again, I have never seen a time where so many people want to come and train jujitsu or, or Muay Thai, but mainly jujitsu is the one that's taken off the most. It's been you know, the uptake's been tremendous recently.
0: Yeah, your uh, your beginner's classes, you seem to have like 30 or 40 people just just turning up in the beginner's classes.
1: Yeah, I mean, Mondays, we're regularly getting 40, 40 white belts on the mat every single Monday. I love Mondays. There's so much like enthusiasm and all these new hungry white belts on the mats. Um, and yeah, I really love seeing so many people getting involved in jiu-jitsu these days. It's awesome.
0: How do you think... Well, why do you think that that's happening is that down to your promotion in the local area or just do you think because i mean i i promote you know my school that i've just opened i promote it as one of the fastest growing sports in the world which kind of technically is yeah um so so why do you find that why do you think that people more people are training or, or coming to look to train now well i
1: think the the main reason is that it's, it's just a lot more mainstream now right you, People are um, a lot more aware of what MMA is, UFC, things like that. you got people like uh, Joe Rogan and Russell Brand talking about jiu-jitsu on their podcasts. Um, I do ask people when they come in how they found out about jiu-jitsu because it still confuses the hell out of me. It's like, well, how did you find out about this? You know, why do you want to do this? And um, most people say you know, they've, they've got a friend that does it. They've heard about it on a podcast. They're an MMA fan. So I think I think it's the sort of the mainstream popularity of jiu-jitsu, MMA. Um, and locally, obviously, we've, we've got quite a few members now. So I think there's definitely um, that kind of snowball effect. The more members we have, the more people hear about it. And we do put a lot of work into social media and stuff as well. So, um, yeah, it's several different things,
0: I think. Yeah, one of the main reasons that I... Uh I put a, a women's class on was um, f- some friends of ours or, or guys that were in in the kids school um, I told them that I was going to start something up and they said well are you going to are you going to do women's classes and she started to talk about she's in like the fitness industry with her, with her husband and uh, she said she was listening to a Joe Rogan podcast and he said that doing Brazilian Jiu Jitsu was uh, very good for like strength training and helping with strength training and uh, I was a little bit like I looked at him, well, Maybe, maybe not. I don't, I don't think you're looking at it the right in the right manner. Um, but she was one of the one of the main reasons why I decided to put those classes on as well.
1: Ah, right, okay, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, people do get into it for lots of different reasons, um, and I got to kind of remind myself of that sometimes because the way that we train, it, it kind of it's mainly, I guess, geared towards kind of competition style jujitsu. Um, but I have to often remind myself that a lot of people start jiu-jitsu because they want to do it for self-defense, right? So we wind it back sometimes and take it back to the fundamentals and the basics and what jiu-jitsu was originally developed for. Um, but yeah, lots of people want to do it for health and fitness, some for self-defense, confidence building. I tend to find that the biggest aspect, the biggest gains that people get from uh, jiu-jitsu is the social aspect. You know, the uh, all the camaraderie, the the friendship groups they make, I think that's what they tend to benefit from it the most.
0: I think if you've got an academy like your place is now, I mean, obviously you've taken a, you know, we had this conversation last week yeah. about developing an academy and uh, how to get people through your door and uh, how to promote that. So why do people need technically your product? Because, you know, you'd be a bit daft to go into having an environment like oh. this where you're getting customers or clients coming through the door to not cr- have that business mentality behind it. So ha- having um, and built something up from what I'm trying to do at the moment, from the, the grassroots level to where you are now, it must be a quite uh, an accomplishing feeling to feel that actually, you know, you've done something that you enjoy doing and now, you know, you're making a career and a business out of it
1: yeah absolutely um I do have to remind myself to step back sometimes and and look at kind of how we've grown over the last i guess ten or twelve years as an actual actual business yeah it must be coming up to about twelve years now and um yeah it, it's it's developed hugely from when we started training in a little dance studio with half a dozen people that just like tearing lumps out of each other it's great it, it's very rewarding looking looking at the development, all the different people that are out there competing. Um, one of the things I take great pride in is, it's not so much, I mean, it's, it's fantastic that so many people are going out there and winning medals at competitions and things like that. Uh, but one of the, the proudest achievements is to see people who, who come in who make dramatic changes in their lifestyle, you know, um, whether they're overweight, lacking in confidence, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then you see them over the years kind of, flourish into this new evolved version of themselves um and there's so many instances of that like that's something that really like really stands out for me and I think the reputation of any academy is one of the most important things and I think when people talk about your academy and the good experiences that they've had in the community um and their friends can see what it's done for them this is a lot of feedback we get quite often in fact recently we put um like a survey online oh, let's read a survey it's like a questionnaire to get people to comment on some of the the benefits of some of the things they like and dislike about the academy and some of the comments that came back um they were like they were lovely like some of the experiences people have had some the way they think about the academy and the coaches um, and they tell their friends that you know and then their friends think oh do you know what maybe it's not such a you know a rough place maybe I can go down there and train you know because there's still that stigma around combat sports the whole kind of blood sweat and tears spitting sawdust you know all that kind of yeah that kind of stigma around it and I've worked so hard over the last 12 years or so to get rid of all that you know to get rid of the the chains and skulls and blood and you know elitism and you know ostracizing the people who need it the most in fairness you know the people who are anxious you know the people who really need something to build their confidence and their fitness so um, yeah I think getting rid of that that stigma um, and making it available to people who really need it that's a that's a big part of the development of the academy I think
0: I think one of the big key things to take away from from a, a martial art or an academy like yours at Fightworks is the fact that, you know, and I, I know others around here, you know, um, you've got Flow Martial Arts, where I used to train with with, with Kenny down there. Yep. Um, you've got a few other ones down towards Nuki. Even if you, you know, you're looking at guys that are trying to SPG and and other, other some of the other um, big academies that are pushing people through, you know, into the UFC and, and into MMA. Unlike football, where you've got professionals that, only train with their teammates. You know they don't train with anyone that aren't as good as them. The, I think the beauty of this is that if you're a super high level Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, you know, world champion, you're still training with the white belt that comes through the door to your academy or somebody else's academy, and you're rubbing off on that experience. I mean, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, look at the guys at the moment out in um, out in Texas, the the Royal Marines uh, Jiu Jitsu yeah. team. So they're training like the, with the likes of you know Gordon Ryan, lo- loads of guys out there that are super super high level that are actually teaching them and taking the time out to talk to them and you I don't think you would get that in, in any other sport or, or walk of life really.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with you. There's there's something about jiu-jitsu in particular that creates this kind of this familiarity all over the world. You know you can go anywhere, train with anybody well say anybody for the most part academies are all very similar in that they all have this this core love for jiu jitsu and then they want to pass that on and train with other people because i think you have to be fairly like minded you know you could be a competitor or you could be someone who's doing it for self defense but at its core there's a there's a certain uh, there's a certain kind of honesty about jiu jitsu and people who can't cope with Uh, being smashed around on the mats on a daily basis Um, they're not they're not the same type of person they've gone through a similar experience and they recognize that and respect that in other people who practice jiu-jitsu
0: we'll come back to talking to this in a minute because i'd love to talk a little bit about about your about your background so where were you born and where did you grow up and how did you get into martial arts to start with
1: okay so i was born in torbay um, so I I've, I've lived here most of my life. I spent a couple of years away in Reading, but um, what got me into martial arts? I got to say I got to say Bruce Lee movies. It was definitely Bruce Lee movies. As soon as I saw my first Bruce Lee movie, that was it, man. I was I was punching and kicking everything I could find. Um, and initially I wanted to do Muay Thai. That was my first like, that was my first sort of uh, martial arts desire. But uh, I was too anxious as a kid. I never actually walked in through the gym door and started taking it up. So when did I start? I guess I guess it was when I joined the Army in, in 2000. I mean, just, I've, met, I've missed a part here. Wrestling, WWE wrestling. When, well, it was called WWF back then. Um, but in primary school, we used to wrestle like crazy every single day. Every time, we couldn't wait for the lessons to finish so we could get out in the playground and start wrestling with each other. Um, and that, I think, is probably where it started, yeah. Um, so yeah, wrestling all the time, I've always sort of naturally enjoyed and been fairly good at uh, good at wrestling. And then over the years, when I, when I turned 18 and I joined the Army, uh, I took up judo. And I think that's when I properly started pursuing grappling um, because that was around about the same time that I saw the the first UFCs come out and as soon as I saw Hoist Gracie like many jiu-jitsu practitioners as soon as I saw Hoist Gracie out there beating people like twice his size I had to do it had to do it so um, yeah I just got addicted to grappling um, trained judo Watched the UFC, didn't really understand it, but we still grappled with each other. Um, And then, where did it go from there? There wasn't much around in Torquay. There wasn't much in the country back then in terms of Brazilian jiu-jitsu and grappling. So myself, uh, so I bumped into a guy called Paul Carthy, which is another black belt here. And he was running a small um, academy in Paynton called cea torbay and he did a mixture of kickboxing a screamer and some grappling so when i when i joined his club we started grappling lots and just kind of i don't know really how it happened but we just kind of ended up leaning more towards the grappling arts than the striking arts and um then we started traveling around to visit other um other academies so if, if uh If a Brazilian black belt was in the country at the time, um, Gorginho used to go to um, Manchester quite a lot. Um, And I think he used to come over with Ben Poppleton. So we used to to zip up to Manchester when he came over to go and do a seminar with him. Um, We nipped up to London when uh, Carlos Gracie Jr. came over. So when we wanted to train jiu-jitsu with some higher level jiu-jitsu practitioners, we had to travel halfway across the country to go and be able to do that um so yeah further down the line more and more brazilians came over um and yeah it it just started started to take off but the the southwest was always 10 years behind everywhere else so uh took a long time to to grow jiu-jitsu in the southwest
0: it's quite interesting because there's there's a lot of high level guys in in the southwest now yeah yeah. um, including yourself because you know you you're one of the you you know you're one of the longest serving brazilian jiu-jitsu guys uh by a few other people around here and uh it's quite interesting to listen to that story about you know it was very very similar people got into judo and then they saw the ufc it is a very, very sort of like similar line of 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 approach and thought and you know, you joined the army in two thousand, I joined the Royal Marines in two thousand. Oh, right. I I got into I got into jujitsu really late. So I, I got into jiu jitsu what back in two thousand and thirteen or fourteen. Okay. So i I'd, I'd been in the military a long time already and I'd I'd done something that we do in, in the Marines I say something we do. I've, I've left now. <laughs> I used to. I used to do. I don't know how to say it. Anyway, I, I'm digressing. Um, uh, Roman's close combat, which is you know teaching people how to fight with kit on, room entries, taking people down and all that sort of thing. So of course, yeah. I did that course. I fucking hated it. <laughs> hated it. I, I, only purely for the fact that the very first day I did, we did. Five five minute rounds with five different people, and I didn't have a clue what I was doing. And after that 25 minutes, I sat in the corner of a squash court and I was nearly crying <laughs> because I hurt so much. And it really, <laughs> it really, really put me off for three or four years. All right, and it wasn't until I had a chat with uh Martin Taple Stapleton Stapes, oh, Stapes, yeah, yeah, who um who kind of said yeah you know give it a go because I was looking to do something in between surfing when the swells weren't good and I just kind of stuck to it uh you know in retrospect I kind of wish I'd I'd pursued something like that a little bit a little bit younger oh yeah um but
1: don't we all <laughs> but
0: but on the side of it you know I, would I still be would I still be doing it now I, I don't know if that's but, you know, you can't look on back and things like that. But from my perspective, you know, even when I started training, you know, in Exeter, there was only five or six people like on on, on a yeah. club that had been training, you know, five or six, seven years before I'd even started. And now, you know, looking at your place here, there's, you know, we're in the middle of a day on a Monday and there's, you know, people on the mat doing lots of different martial arts and know evening classes we're talking about 40 50 people training in beginners classes yeah yeah that was that was but a pipe dream i'd love to have had 40 or 50 people to train with when i first started and now it's just kind of it's so good to see
1: it's so different now yeah you're right you're absolutely right and i think the level's changed now a lot as well you know um you know, I don't like to say it, but I think when, when I was a blue belt, I wasn't half as good as some of the blue belts we get these days, the technical level of jiu-jitsu. And I think, again, that's because so many more people train jiu-jitsu these days. There's so much more experience on the mats that, um, yeah, it just keeps pushing the level up.
0: I've kind of taken this off on the tangent, haven't I? That's so. right. <laughs> <laughs> When did you feel like you, you wanted to start your own place up and... Um... And start teaching and coaching.
1: Okay, so I never wanted to coach. That was never an interest of mine at all. Um, but when I was training back with 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 Paul Carthy, um, he just kind of like dro- dropped me in it one day. He just kind of like, oh, Darren will teach this class. I'm busy. I've got to shoot off. And I was like, what the hell? Um, so he gave me the confidence and he pushed me into this kind of coaching role. Um, and because the pair of us were grappling all the time, and um, we were white belts at the time. You know, we didn't really know our ass from our elbow, but what we did know, we'd try and pass on to the others. And I guess, I guess that's where it started. At the time, I was working in engineering, so I was I was in this engineering company for about ten years, and I just got I got fed up with it, like working in the daytime and then training jujitsu in the evenings. I wanted to train more and I didn't enjoy my job. So rather than sit there and sulk about it, I decided, do you know what? I'm going to give it a go. So I hired an in, well, I leased an industrial unit and I just went for it. I quit my job and all the fees that we were paying to rent this dance studio at the time to run the club out of, uh, it amounted essentially to the, the rent on a lease for a unit. So I thought, right, let's just go for it. So I maxed out my credit cards, bought a load of mats, bought a load of wood, renovated this unit and turned it into an academy. And uh, yeah, that's, that's where it all started. And ever since I've done that, it's just grown. More and more people have become interested in training. I've got a lot older. But now to see where it's come over the last 12 years, I've never looked back. I've never been happier than working for myself and doing something that I love um it's you know it's it's easy i mean everything's work right it's it's hard work at times it's it's you know you're never going to be rich running an academy or anything like that but i feel like i've got a much better quality of life now um and i really enjoy coaching people and seeing people develop you know it's uh yeah it's very gratifying
0: i love that perspective that you've just shown there that it takes a lot of guts to quit a job and go and do the thing that you want to do and I've talked about this quite a lot. It's it's kind of a, it almost a borderlines a mental health issue as well, really, doesn't it? Because, yeah. um, you know, if you want to stereotype it and call it the rat race, there's loads of people that are stuck in jobs that they don't want to do and they're scared. Yeah. They're scared of leaving something and pursuing what they what they want to do. Because it is a, a really scary aspect of, of life, right? It is, yeah. Um, these days as well, because money is oh, such a such a big and 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 a big tight thing especially with the economy and the situation where it is now more so than ever the the, those internal and external pressures on finances and life that almost kind of like fix you in this one line of thinking yeah
1: no i I couldn't agree more it's everyone's kind of forced in this particular direction and i mean let's face it we've got we've got so much opportunity in this country you know it's easy to, to have the fear of failing, the fear of, you know, being homeless and things like that. But we don't live in a third world country, you know. We, we, we've got so much opportunity. And to not try to do something, to not sort of take that plunge in a, in a place where you've got so much opportunity, you know, you're only going to have a look back and regret not having given it a go. So, you know, I thought, yeah, you should do it. If anyone's thinking about it, just do it. Give it a try.
0: I always find this question quite interesting because I, I saw a um, a documentary about the John Danaher, um, what were they called? The John Danaher team.
1: Oh, the death squad.
0: Yeah, the uh, Danaher death squad. Yeah. So they've, some of them have sort of like parted ways and become the B team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? So they they decided instead of calling it Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, they renamed it American Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah. So how do you see it these days? Is it Brazilian jiu-jitsu still? Is it American? Is it British jiu-jitsu? Or is it just jiu-jitsu? What is it? Because, you know, from the time that the Gracies brought it over from Brazil over to America, and then it's kind of just, you know, tethered in the spider web around the world. What, what is it now?
1: Well, I mean, that's a difficult one. I think at its core... All grappling arts are pretty much the same. You know, it's all grappling. My particular style of jiu-jitsu, I guess you could say, is a combination of judo, jiu-jitsu, sambo, freestyle wrestling. I, You know, any grappling art that is useful and effective, just put it all together and call it jujitsu. You know, it, it, it doesn't really matter, to be fair. I, I just... I don't call it Brazilian jiu-jitsu too often. I just call it jiu-jitsu. Um... Because I think it is. It's an amalgamation of all sorts of grappling arts. You know, you've got all the the leg locks. You've got the takedowns. It's developed so much over the last few decades that everybody wants to put their flag in it, right, and and call it their own. But I think uh, it's just grappling, you know? That's how I view it.
0: I used to call it jiu-jitsu, but now I'm trying to promote my own school. Right, yeah. I'm having to go back and call it... And I don't know why... this is going to sound really weird. Even since I started training, I hate calling it BJJ. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It's just like it just doesn't it
0: doesn't like even now like in my chest. Yeah. It's really weird. I feel I felt like I want to vomit in my mouth a little bit like why am I calling it BJJ? why is it brazilian jiu-jitsu i'm not brazilian i'm not in brazil i'm in you know i live in the southwest like it's good
1: branding right (laughs) yeah
0: but but that's that's exactly what it is yeah you know the greatest called it brazilian jiu-jitsu because they were brazilian yeah but you know i've learned from somebody that's english that's british is it is it english jiu-jitsu i mean i just call it jiu-jitsu
1: yeah that's Uh, it i think essentially i mean we get, we get people coming through the door that say they want to learn Gracie Jiu-Jitsu and yeah. have to explain the differences between what we do and Gracie Jiu-Jitsu and, you know, all these preconceived ideas of, um, you know, like online gradings and all the different directions that Jiu-Jitsu's gone in these days. Um, yeah, everybody's got a different idea of what they want from it and, and what it is to them. But I think essentially at its core, uh, it's, just, it's just grappling. I don't like calling it BJJ either, you know. Um, yeah, it's just branding, isn't it? I don't, it doesn't really matter. Um, I always tried to avoid putting my name on the academy, you know, because I, I think it's more than that. It's beyond me, you know. So having an academy name and having, you know, jiu-jitsu at Fightworks Academy, uh, it's a generic term. Um, And then when people come down, we can kind of explain what it is that we do. Everybody's jiu-jitsu is different, right? Um, But at its core, it's all just grappling.
0: You kind of started to tether on it a little bit. I'd like to talk a little bit about jiu-jitsu politics with you, (laughs) because I I know you said you're quite opinionated with this. Yeah, yeah. And we had a conversation um, last week about this as well. And I'm very much about training anywhere. You know my my mentality is let's let's I, I try and brand it as jujitsu's for everybody whether you're old you're young you're a kid you know whatever demographic you want to put yourself in you know it, it, it's for everybody so I've talked to a few of the black belts over over the years and their coaches are very much you have to you can't go and train anywhere else you can't coach anywhere else mm. you have to be with our academy with our brand Um, you buy our geese you only train here if you go anywhere else you have to ask your instructor or your coach or your professor to go and do that but i find that kind of mentality and it's very much an old school mentality i think even though i you know i've never trained old school whatever it's it's very much like narrows it all down a little bit and almost kind of is off-putting for other people, I guess maybe?
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I agree, I think loyalty's earned right, it's not uh, it, it's not demanded and I've always found over the years, everybody wants to put their their flag in you, everybody wants to own you, so you're their property and I think it should be a lot more open than that Um, these days, students are customers. If you run a business and your student comes to the door and pays you money to teach them, they're a customer and you need to respect them. If they want to go and train somewhere else, that's fine. Why would I have an issue with that? Go ahead, go train somewhere else. That's no problem at all. And I think if you're confident in your product, if you're confident in the jiu-jitsu that you teach, that you're doing a good job, that you're passionate and you're delivering a good product, then you shouldn't have any fear of students going off and training other places. I've seen it all the time. Uh, I see it see a lot with other academies saying, you know, demanding that students, you know, if you, if you leave our academy, you, you can't come back again sort of thing. That doesn't work. You can't rule um, out of fear. It doesn't work. So I've always had a very open door policy and I've always welcomed anybody from any club, any academy, always welcome to come down and train here. Um, And I say the same to my guys. If you want to go train somewhere else, that's absolutely fine. And we do. We have people that go all over the place training with different academies. Um, If you do a good job, they'll come back. If you don't, then they might leave you for someone else. And that's fine. And you've got to let that happen. Um, The ones that turn around and say you can never come back if you go and train somewhere else or you're not allowed to do X, Y, and Z, they're going to lose their students because they haven't earned that loyalty. You know, and um, I think that's that's very important. I think that that closed-minded opinion is what drives people away, not what keeps people.
0: I almost have um, imposter syndrome. It's weird. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> well, no, no it, it's really weird because I, I um, I've never I've never had it before. I'm all I've always been a super confident person, and it's it's a learned thing, right? From from my job okay. in the Marines. Okay, so you know, I, I was I was the quiet guy like surfing kept myself to myself never was never really like emotional showed emotions or anything like that and then i became i became a pti which then ha- i had to bring out the my inner personality almost kind of like you know the butlin's red coat so sort of yeah, like yeah entertainer so then you know when i'm standing out in front of somebody it's you know i'm the showman you know i'm the master of ceremony so i have to be there I, I have to fluctuate my voice. I have to gain keep people's attention. So this is going to sound quite strange, I think. <laughs> is the fact that even though I've been coaching and teaching jiu-jitsu, and they said Brazilian jiu-jitsu then. Jiu-jitsu, <laughs> it's ingrained in you. Yeah, it is. Since, since I've been a blue belt, now when I've got my own school and I've got my own students and, I, and, and I'm teaching it, I go home and I almost kind of go, why am i teaching this am i teaching it right but you know yourself the way that you teach and you put things across is your own personal experience it's how you do it it's not something you can learn from like um like a handout or, or a pamphlet or a pdf or learning something from the online tutorials you know it's your jujitsu is very unique and personality driven, yes. which is probably why I find the correlation between surfing and jujitsu is so unique and knitted together because the way that you you draw your lines when you're surfing and um, and your own style and your personal take and the boards that you ride is, is very unique and clicky to you as well right okay so when i'm now teaching and i'm saying this i actually kind of like kick myself in the you know in the face in my head right. to say just shut up and get on with it and, it, and it's and it's and it's really really strange and i and i don't understand sometimes while i'm doing it look don't get me wrong i've only been really like i've only opened the school like in february but it is it's a really weird thing to kind of have that kind of imposter syndrome and even now as a brown belt i kind of feel probably as people that are like higher higher belted or, or whatever more experienced than i have they still kind of they still kind of feel like that now
1: yeah i i could i completely understand um i'm the complete opposite to you by the sounds of it in the I've always been incredibly anxious. As a child, even as an adult, uh, I get anxiety quite a lot. And um, I'm introverted. I never wanted to teach. I hate public speaking, all that kind of stuff. Like, I do not enjoy it. But sometimes I have to force myself to do these things. And jujitsu has definitely helped build my confidence over the years. Like, having to stand up in front of 40 or 50 students and sort of, you know, confidently Um, give explanations of you know why we're doing certain things I still to this day sort of 24 years on stand in front of a class of like 30 40 50 people have an out-of-body experience like what the hell are you doing here like what is going on why are all these people listening to you like you don't know what you're talking about it still happens like I don't think and I, I don't think you ever get over that and I think I think it's important it keeps you grounded right it keeps you grounded in jiu-jitsu you are never the master of everything like you, you always have something to learn and i learn all the time from my students so i try i try to avoid the trap of being the all-knowing arrogant instructor like i i learn off of my students all the time uh, just by watching them train or they come up with an idea and it's like, oh, well, that's, that's really interesting. I would try and give them a very um, open-minded perspective on jiu-jitsu if we can. right? Not, I know a lot of instructors teach it in a way that like, you must do it this way. This is the only way to do it. This is the way I'm telling you to do it, and this is what will be best for you. Um, but I try to avoid that as much as possible. I think it's very important to have... Um, Teach Teach people to learn for themselves, I guess. I'm kind of slightly digressing here from your original point, but um, I think if people can teach themselves when they learn jujitsu, uh, you give them the ideas, you point them in the right direction, give them the principles, give them some advice, but you don't tell them what they can and can't do specifically. They, if they learn it themselves, it will stick with them. If you tell them what to do verbatim, then uh, it doesn't tend to land so much, I find. So yeah, I mean, in terms of the uh, imposter syndrome, yeah, I, I get that all the time. Um, I think uh, I think it's good. I think it's important, and I think it keeps everybody grounded.
0: What do you find that your 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 key principles are now with your with your coaching? Now you've been doing it, you've been doing it long enough. Do you, do you feel like you've you've got like five key principles or three that you you kind of stick to? I wouldn't say I
1: have any particular principles because I feel like I'm always developing as an instructor. Um, I feel like I've always got something to learn. Um, it certainly helped build my confidence over the years that the academy has grown, that um, we have such a great you know group of students here. Um, also having having all my black belts around me as well, being able to talk to those guys, share techniques, share ideas, talk about jiu Jitsu politics and ethics and things like that I think um, I think it's important to stay ahead of the curve with things like that. It's very easy to fall into what you think but having having all my my different black belt instructors they help keep me honest I ask their opinions all the time it's not a dictatorship as much as sometimes I wish it was <laughs> it's, it's not and, and I value everybody's opinion um, and I think yeah I think that's that's really important.
0: I'm gonna ask you a question now that I've I've always been really, really interested in, but I've always had the fear of asking a a black belt, right? (laughs) Okay, go for it. Is gradings. Yeah. I think this is one of the the most under talked about subjects in jiu-jitsu. Now, you know, we have had this conversation before we started. You know, we were saying that grappling and a gentle art like like jiu jitsu is you should never look for the next belt or for the next stripe or you know you should always be just about the art about training about being you know being a good training par- partner and and developing your game but you know this i know this <laughs> having been given something to show that you're improving Is something that we all crave we all crave like oh well done mate that was really good or yeah I couldn't your pressure your top pressure was amazing that I couldn't get out of that like when you're rolling so being given another belt or a stripe to show by your instructor your professor that that you're improving is something that every person that comes to an academy or a jiu-jitsu school that's been there for a while subconsciously craves course yeah so my question to you is what are the things that you look at and I I don't want you to break it down into each individual belt but what do you look at as a as the headed instructor of an academy how you grade people
1: okay that's a really good question so um I talk about this openly all the time in class because you get a lot of people asking oh what have I got to do to get my next tab what have I got to do to get my next belt you know and I like that people are hungry and they want to progress. Everybody wants validation, right? Everybody wants to know that they're improving. They want to progress. Um, Some people need to be held back a little bit because part of that process is experience. Um, Now, in answer to your question, what do I look at? It's not winning. Like, that is not, most people think that the more people they beat up, the better they are. What I tend to look at is people's attitudes on the mat. So, if someone's getting absolutely smashed, like they're getting like knelt, they're having their face knelt on, their neck knelt on, but they're still still able to keep calm and smile and move efficiently, not regress into trying to bench press somebody off them. It's usually I find people's defensive jujitsu is much is a much better indication of their ability than when they're winning. You know, you, you can have people who are incredibly dominant when they're when they're winning, when they're on the offense, but when they're on the defense, what's their attitude like? Are they calm? Can they keep a cool head? Are they smiling? Are they breathing well? Are they moving efficiently? That's what I tend to look out for most when people are sparring. Attitude I think is a huge part of the learning process as much as academic technique athletic advantages just having a good jiu-jitsu attitude you know being a good training partner um, yeah that, that's that's a big thing for me there's lots of different factors that go into you know people's next grade and I think what I go back to in my head is when I was coming up through the belts it took me bloody years to get my my next belt you know I can't remember I was think I was a, a white belt for like five years or something and then a, then a blue belt for like another four or five years it took me forever partly because there wasn't much instruction around and for some of those periods I didn't have instructors Um, but I often often think that people are in so much of a hurry these days like so what How, how fast you progress up through the belts what's the point you get the black belt and then what you're still learning you're still training and it's true I don't try and tend to tell my students this too much but when you do get to black belt, it's kind of like you're starting at the beginning. Like it's, that's when you really start learning. Um, it doesn't matter how fast you get there. I never used to get tabs on my belts or anything like that. Um, but these days people kind of expect that. They need to be validated for that that process. They need those constant reminders that they are doing well. They need to be kept motivated. Um, some people need it too much. And in those instances, I tend to I tend to hold them back a little bit until they drop this idea of chasing the belt or chasing the tap, you know? And when I see it kind of... I see that they've given up. I can see it in their eyes that they've given up. Oh, I'm never going to get this bloody belt. They just give up and then they just train. And then that's when they get their belt, you know? Um, yeah, there's a lot of different aspects that go into it. But I think attitude is as important as um, uh, as the rest of it.
0: Do you think... As, as you look at it, do you sometimes see it as also like a time served? So, you know, you're talking about, you know, you were blue belt for three years and a purple belt for five years and, yep. you know, h- how that works. Because I've had a conversation with a couple of people about this, really, and it's the people that come and train, they're not all from the same walks of life. Some people want to compete all the time some people just want to come and do it as like a fitness thing some people come and do it because it's you know it's their outlet some people are younger some people are older you're not going to expect the 50 year old guy to do exactly the same things as the 20 year old guy is going to be to do because you know he's not necessarily going to be as athletic of course yeah so do you find do you find Doing that between age groups and and not necessarily genders, but definitely age groups is is something that you look at as well when you come into grade people.
1: Yeah, I mean, time served is is a big part of it. You know, um, people who commit to the jiu-jitsu lifestyle, they tend to embrace it um, and they may not be particularly fantastic grapplers. But if they love it If they're good training partners If they can roll technically And they've been doing it for a really long time They have a wealth of knowledge and experience That someone who maybe can run through them in, in a few seconds Won't have So they know a lot about Jiu-Jitsu They have a lot of Jiu-Jitsu experience that, The most frustrating thing I used to find I got told by, by instructors was You need more mat time you need more mat time And I never really understood what that meant and, um, and I do now, and I tell people, but I explain to people what that means now. Um, sometimes it's just time on the mat. The time on the mat informs an individual um, about Jiu-Jitsu, informs them their experiences. You know, you need to have thousands and thousands of different experiences, and you don't get that. If you shoot up through the belts too quickly, you, um, you don't get those experiences, and... Controversially, I've seen a lot of very weak belts given out, gradings, through different academies around the country. Uh, yeah, without, obviously without naming names or anything, but there's definitely some soft belts that are given out these days. And I don't mean soft in, in terms of people who are not uh, like good athletes, but progressing through the belts too quickly, I think, takes away from what we're trying to achieve.
0: I think... From, from my perspective, I've always, I've thought about this quite a lot, sort of like on my own. And, you know, I was very much like, well, what do I need to do to get to the next bout? And I think definitely between white belt and blue bout, this was very prevalent inside my head. Yeah. I was like, right, I need to get to this. I need to get to this. So, you know, like you're saying, I was very, very quick to do this and this. So I got I got to blue bout, I think, within two years of being in white bout, but it's just purely because... I'd I'd done a little bit of a training ish, I knew stuff yeah, yeah before before I'd started, which you know a, a lot of people may may do. And then it wasn't until I later, you know, when when I was a later blue belt, purple belt, the latter end of being a purple belt, that I actually this is going to sound really weird, I really started enjoying yeah my jujitsu more, and now and now as um you know now, now as a brown belt. I, you understand the concepts um, body movement a lot more um, as a coach I'm always trying to pull people back from going berserk all the time especially yeah. for new people it's really really difficult of course yeah but trying to express what not going a hundred percent is to get out of a guard or side control or something when they when they're not technically able to do that is very very difficult but then that's why it's important i think as a coach as an instructor to train with your students as well yep. to show that my ability to not be blown up my ass after five minutes like you are because i'm calm bad situations i'm letting you try and smash me but i'm just keeping my frames in you know, I'm letting you get me into bad situations, but then getting out of them and showing them that this is how you do that. And this is how calm I am while I'm doing it. I also think that's very important as well absolutely, to show yeah. that aspect of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And if you if you look at someone and their their journey through the various different belt grades, if you were to take those belts away, would they progress in the same way, you know? Um, I think a belt is an indication of uh, an individual's experience within jiu jitsu, you know. Um, and I think, you know, if you take an art, say, uh, like Luta livre you know, or um, any any other grappling art, and um, actually, well, they, they do get belted in Luta livre but originally there wasn't any belts. And um, people just grappled to become good grapplers. And maybe. Giving people belts and tabs and things like that helps them progress, keeps them motivated. Um, But I also feel it takes something away from it a little bit as well. I think it should be more an indication of someone's uh, experiences over time.
0: What are your thoughts on people competing and not competing?
1: I think competition is very important. I think if you practice jiu-jitsu or any grappling art, you need to test yourself occasionally, you know? Uh, whether that's in the MMA arena or um, a, a jiu-jitsu competition or, or whatever it is, I think if you don't pressure test yourself, you've no idea if it works. It's, it's all well and good rolling around with your, with your mates on the mats and being able to predict and know that you're safe and all the rest of it. But at the end of the day, it is a combat sport. You know, it is, it is a martial art. And the only way you can replicate... The kind of nerves that you would have in a real like fight in a real combat situation um, is to step on a mat against someone that you don't know. You don't know what they're capable of, um, and defend yourself. You know, and I think I think that is very important for progression. Um, it's not essential, definitely not essential. I mean, we have a bunch of people that that don't compete and never will compete, um, and they still develop as fantastic grapplers. But there's something about competition which really opens people's eyes to what jiu-jitsu is and what they need to do to improve their game i think yeah pressure testing is very important
0: how do you feel that the the level of jiu-jitsu and how your your game has developed um over the years do you because there was a period you know of two or three years where leg locks were you know the thing and uh, and Baron Bowler and all these inverted, inverted games, which I never got into purely for the fact that he used to smash my lower back and my neck as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, h- how do you find all of that has changed over the years?
1: I think it's cyclical. Um, I think, I think these these trends they 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 run in cycles. Um, like I said, I, I've trained lots of different uh, grappling arts. We used to do a lot of leg locks in Sambo. Uh, a lot of wrestling, in in freestyle wrestling. And I've seen these trends come and go often. And things that we were learning in sambo years ago or uh, techniques I was using years ago, suddenly you get some famous social media name is suddenly doing it on Instagram or on TikTok or whatever. And um, then it becomes the the, the next big thing because someone used it in a competition. Um, And I think... I think it's easy to get distracted with these things. I always say to to my students like, yeah, sure, this guy out there competing, smashing everybody at the World Championships is a really impressive grappler, but don't imitate that guy. Get good at your own jujitsu. If you are imitating someone, it may not be the right thing for you. It may not fit into your game. You may not have the right abilities to be able to do what this guy does. Um, Just concentrate on getting good at what you do, what feels right for you, and you can be that good as well you don't have to imitate anybody
0: i feel like over the years i've very much i've done lots and lots of different techniques and been taught lots of different things one of the key things i always took away from what i got told once was that just be good at a couple of things but really good at a couple of moves in certain places and i feel that's kind of how i've I've used my game over the years and how, I, how I've got to where I am now is because I'm, I can never retain information, that much information.
1: It's never ending, isn't it? <laughs> it, it, it it's, it's
0: relentless. Like yeah. There's so many different people teaching techniques on Instagram, socials, um, you've got these, these, these coaching videos. All those coaching videos have got about six to seven hours, like it's three films worth. Yeah. Of, of technical instructions like how are you supposed to retain that information I've never got it so the way I and I way I teach my students now is I say look I'm gonna teach a couple of techniques in this session if you take one thing away whether it's an arm movement or where I put my knee in this and you do that when you're rolling next you've learned something and put that together over five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, that's how you become proficient. Now, when I train now and I'm rolling, I don't look to go, right, I'm gonna do this inverted X guard, Baron Bowler, Delaheva, whatever the fuck it is, right? Yeah. I don't look to do that. It's
1: more organic, right? It's yeah.
0: more organic. So like if I'm in a bad situation, I won't go, oh right, I'm gonna try this flower sweep now or you know, this butterfly sweep. I'll go, where's their weight? Yeah, exactly. Where's their foot? And it won't be a technique that has been taught. It'll be like, right, I've taken a little bit from this one, a little bit from that one, a little bit from here. And i have gone, right, this is where this guy is. How can I get him off me? Where's his weight? And how can I sweep him? Right, let's try that. That hasn't worked. Right, let's try that. And that's worked. That's how I feel that my game is now. I don't look at, right, I'm going to do this technique. That hasn't worked. Right. You know, you've got this. Uh, you've got these spider diagrams that people have put out. Yeah. Single leg X doesn't work. Go into Dela Heva. Do this with the ankle. If that doesn't work, do this. You've got these different diagrams of how to do things. Yeah. I think that's a kind of a funky way of trying to learn stuff. I think. I think there's two
1: different ways. Some people learn tremendously like that. They have um, like very analytical brains, and they want to know, you know, A, B, C, D. They they need those flowcharts. Um, and they can be very effective, but there's, there's two different types of jiu-jitsu, I feel. And I think if you're training for a competition, if you're training to win a competition, I should say, then having a very specific direction, uh, a very specific game that you can force people into, and then you're into your, your flow diagram, um, that's a very efficient way to win a jiu-jitsu match. You know, If you've got a, a fa- fantastic uh, De La Giva game, and you can force people into your De La Hiva, into the grips and the positions that you want and you know you have a higher success of um, you have a higher success rate by doing that that for me isn't fun i think jiu jitsu should be fun creative organic um, and the type of jiu jitsu that i do when i'm training with my guys it's more opportunistic it's reactive it's you know like like you're talking about if they put their weight over this direction or what can I do for me how does this feel for me um, and that's fun that's creative artistic jujitsu. jitsu um, but you have to be able to switch between the two if you if you are a competitive athlete I think it's very important to have a specific game that you can do better than your opponent and if you can draw them into that game that's your that's your winning strategy but that's that's a different style of jujitsu altogether so I think it's very important to have the two ideas in your mind and be able to separate them because you don't want to be training in uh, in an open mat session with with all your friends you don't want to be doing the exact same thing that you do in competition because that's no fun if you keep ankle locking somebody in the same way like where's the where's the enjoyment in that where's the progression in that so yeah I think it's very important to separate the two out
0: but that's where people come in peaks and troughs and this is how I explain what Jiu Jitsu is is that one day you'll be on the mat and you'll be hitting everything you'll be doing everything right and then the next day you'll be at the very bottom of the of the of the of the the waved trough yeah and you'll be fucking just getting murked by everybody yeah you'll be having an absolute shit time but then that's where you kind of have to be a little bit versatile and you just turn up for training you know you're gonna have a shit time or just try and work on something very very minor and then slowly, mentally and subconsciously, you'll, you'll start coming out of that, you know, that little trough and then you'll be hitting things again and slowly working to, to get better. And that's how I always try and use that uh, analogy of, of, of how you learn and, and how you develop in Jiu-Jitsu as well.
1: I mean, if you don't have those lows, how can you appreciate the highs, right? Uh, I know a lot of, I know a lot of guys who are very, very good competitors Because they spend 90% of their time or 99% of their time winning because they're very, very good. But that means that they're not spending a large portion of their time getting beaten up, getting smashed. So if they do ever end up in those positions where they are getting smashed, they're not as experienced there, psychologically and physically. So I think it's very important to be open with your jujitsu and to get smashed as much as you smash like you you may know like I, when i go to training i um i know there's certain people that I can do certain things to certain techniques work really well um but i try something different okay this this person's uh, a really good judoka so i'm going to try and stand with this person i may get my head smashed through the mat absolutely but i want to test myself you know i want to i want to enter their game put myself under pressure so that i can develop as a practitioner you know um, yeah that's important you gotta you gotta have the lows to appreciate the highs
0: what do you train for these days obviously you're the you're the head instructor at, uh, at Fightworks. um you know when you're training you know what are you what are you training for these days
1: i had this conversation the other day actually this is this is quite interesting um if i stop training now i think i would probably seize up into an arthritic ball. <laughs> um it, <laughs> Yeah, honestly, I I feel like jiu-jitsu keeps me mobile. It keeps me semi-fit. And um, I think I would be far more broken without it. Saying that, I am trying to get back to competition again now. Um, I'm 42, so I haven't got many years of competition left in me. But uh, I miss competing. And I'm finally at a point in my life, even though my back just gave way a couple weeks ago, um, where I'm not too injured. Um, and physically, I feel like I want to get back out on the competition circuit and uh, yeah, get some more competition matches in.
0: What are your goals and how do you see Fightworks I- I- evolving in the future?
1: I love that Fightworks is growing so much at the moment. Um, and I'm looking for other locations to build um, new academies. I've got a, a team of really talented um, instructors and black belts at this academy. And I know each of these guys has aspirations of their own to run their own academy. And I want to I wanna try and facilitate that. I want to try and grow academies or build academies in other places and give them the opportunity to go through a similar journey that I had. So if someone can earn a living running an academy and teaching jiu-jitsu um, and I have the ability to be able to you know, facilitate that for them, um, that's, that's something I'm, I'm really interested in doing. Yeah, I really want to do that. I'm, I, th- I think very highly of um, my instructors and black belts here. They're, they're, they're really good. They're really talented, fantastic instructors. And all the progression and all the success we've enjoyed with this academy, it's not just because of me. It's because of these guys and the, the, the kind of team effort. So I, I want to see that continue. I want to give them the opportunity to develop their own academies, um, some of them are, are active competitors and they're very sort of competition orientated and they want to give that to other people, but they want to pass their experiences on to um, other students uh, in the same way that I've passed mine on to them over the years.
0: Well, i just like to say, and I'm not saying this because you sat in front of me, i call you a prick anyway if I thought you were a prick. but Matt's over there. Yeah, yeah I'm not going on that. I probably
1: <laughs> Not on my back at the moment. It was, yeah. it was a bluff. <laughs>
0: know talking to you and and having conversations with you over like over the last couple of weeks and i've known you for years and years and years but never really had a a sit down conversation with you is it it's really it's really humbling to to listen to like the experience and and the knowledge and sort of like the enthusiasm, enthusiasm you have for having other people that you've coached over the years to expand what, what what they want to do and I think that's quite refreshing in in this day and age because this is not aimed at anybody in, in particular whatsoever but I think sometimes it's very easy to get into this focal into this focus where it's all about me I need to be successful you know and, and yeah. fuck everybody else I'm gonna do what I want to do but I think also on the flip side of it I'm a big believer in karma as well and I think that if you're if you're respectful and you think about other people and you want them to do well as well i think that counts a million times more than it is somebody that's really passionate about themselves so mate it's been absolutely amazing talking to you and 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 thank you for putting your experiences across
1: well thank you ad so I, I really appreciate you having me on um i'm, I'm not a particularly interesting chat but i'm glad you've uh you've enjoyed it and uh, thank you for your kind words um i do i think it is is very important Your other people's success are your success, you know. So I think it's very important to pass that kind of attitude on through through your students. And, and hopefully you'll get the opportunity to do this with your academy. Um, and if you can pass your philosophy and ethics on to your students, then hopefully they'll grow and thrive in, in the same way. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. It's uh, It's been great chatting to you, mate. Appreciate it.
0: And before we finish, where can people come and train and where can they find you on the Internet as well?
1: So we're at www.fightworks. That's fightworks with an X at the end.co.uk. Uh, um, and our main academy is Market Street in Torquay. Um, and like I said previously, anybody and everybody's welcome to come down and train.
0: Beautiful, Darren. Thanks for your time.
1: Thank you, Ads. Appreciate it, mate. Cheers, buddy. Bye.
0: And that's it. Tune in next week for the 40th anniversary. It's a little bit late, I know. Podcast with a Falklands veteran who served in the Royal Marines and saw plenty of action over in the Falklands Islands. Thanks for listening.